Welcome to Performance Anxiety, everyone, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. We have to thank former guest John and Yellow for this show. He introduced us to our guest, Jackie McLean of Ron Yellowthorn. She tells us about her road to becoming a recording artist, and it's a little different from most. A lot of it is due to Jackie's pure determination. Their first album was a total DIY affair, but it was so good it got the band signed to Blue Alon Records. And after a stunning album of covers, they met up with John and recorded their next album, whose release has been delayed by the pandemic. Fortunately, I've got a small preview for everyone, and Jackie's been documenting the entire process online for Atwood Magazine. It's a great look behind the curtain of how an album gets made and delayed, unfortunately. Follow Roan Yellowthorn at Roan underscore Yellowthorn on Instagram. Check out their first LP and the covers album on Bandcamp. Follow us at Performance ANX on all social media. Subscribe, rate, review, and check out the other great shows on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Reach out with thoughts at the Performance Anxiety Pod at gmail.com. And let's jump right into this show with Jackie McLean of Roan Yellowthorn on Performance Anxiety. Hey, this is Jackie McLean from Real Yellowthorn, and um, I'm here on Performance Anxiety, so give it a listen. I just got to clean up. That's I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you figure with uh, this quarantine going on and everybody being on lockdown, I'd be doing a lot more of that, but no, I'm not. Yeah, cleaning is always the last thing, I feel like. It is. I mean... Yeah, I'm an adult. I'm 47. I should be. <laughs> I should be. I should be like. I know what I got to do, and I still don't do it. Oh my gosh. Anyway, well, thank you, thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate it. Of course, happy to be here. Now, I've I've found out about Roan Yellowthorn through your the producer for your upcoming album, John and Yellow, and previous podcast guest Johnny and Yellow and uh, he told me oh, let me see I got I want to make sure I say this right he he told me that when he heard your music it gave him the same feeling when as as the first time he heard Mark Lanigan's voice oh he said it gave him uh, goosebumps he's so sweet so he said, you know, definitely to keep an eye out. And then he was kind enough to volunteer a track or two for his his uh, episode, which I hope you don't mind me using a few seconds of to kind of wet oh, people's fine. appetites. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Good. <laughs> so what I want to do is kind of is to find out a little bit more about how you got to where you are. I want to know a little bit about your musical history. You know, you've. You've been doing articles online for Atwood, and uh, they've been really interesting. And I, through reading them, I found out that you haven't actually been a professional musician for very long. It's been five, five and a half years, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, how did you get into music? Were you into music when you were a kid? Did you play an instrument? Were you singing? How did this all start? Um... Well, it was kind of a windy road, but I was always very musical and um, I'd say it was a really big part of my identity when I was growing up and through high school and stuff like that. I was in like, you know, the, I was in the musicals. I was like, uh, got the lead role quite <laughs> <laughs> <Right> often, um, <laughs> but um you know, I was kind of like a theater nerd and I really just liked singing. I also really have always felt really comfortable expressing myself through writing. Okay. So, yeah. So those were kind of side by side always. And then I went to college and I kind of wanted to explore other things that were out there and I didn't didn't do much music at all and I didn't do any music really I was in I was in one band for like one show you know <laughs> <laughs> it lasted like very briefly but I didn't do any nobody like in college thought of me as musical I don't think oh really yeah and then um 
but it was a writing, a really writing kind of heavy school. Okay. So I developed, you know, a lot of, I guess, experience, a lot more experience, um, writing. And then after that, when I graduated from college, I kind of, I guess I went through sort of a typical 20 something post college experience of not, <laughs> not knowing what I was doing with my life, not knowing really like who I was. That doesn't necessarily stop at your twenties. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, finding that. <laughs> I'm 47, still doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of learning that actually. Um, but I guess at that point I realized that, um, that the lack of music in my life was really making me sad. Oh, okay. Um, I felt really, I felt, I felt a lot of pain around that. You know, I, I went through some years where it was hard for me to like listen to the radio because I just, it made me like bitter. I would hear music and I'd be like angry because I wasn't doing anything musically. And, um, yeah, so it was, something that I really wanted, but I think I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know if I could, it seemed overwhelming and like difficult. And I don't know, it seemed daunting to try to like start, you know, after college, I I feel, I just compare myself a lot to other people. And I think, I know that feeling. Yeah. I was looking at other people doing music and they were all kind of like, it seemed to me the people that I was comparing myself to were, you know, at a certain point already, you know, at that age. And I was like feeling self-conscious about that. I don't know. A well, lot I know, I know it, exactly what you mean. I mean seriously. It, it's, I, you know, I going through that kind of at this point, cause I went to college for photography did yeah. it for about a decade, got out of it to get a real job. Right. We, my wife and I started a family and then I kind of had the same feelings that you were like, I'm kind of pissed off that some of my friends are, are doing this now. And then, you know, some of the guys I went to college with are, are you know, working, doing things for people like Oprah and uh, yeah. doing, you know, doing things for home and HGTV and things. And, you know, because I ended up leaving school early and I ended up doing, you know, things that I didn't really want to do, like weddings and school photos and things like that, and not being as creative as I wanted to. And mm-hmm. even while doing it, I was feeling kind of bitter about the choices I had made. You know, it wasn't anybody's fault but my own, but the 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 level of success that I wasn't having, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I, I relate to that. And I think that you know, that kind of comparison, comparing yourself to other people, like that really holds you back. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I had also just had a baby at that point. Oh, okay. So it was another layer of like, what's my identity right now? You know, Mm -hmm. I Um, know that one too. (laughs) (laughs) That can shake things up a little bit. Oh yeah. What was, the impetus to start actually writing music. How, how, how did you switch from going to a writing college to writing music and, and writing songs? Uh, well, I like this part of the story. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, what happened is that I, growing up, I had always been singing, but I never, I always needed somebody else to play music for me while I sang. I didn't know how to play any instruments. Okay. And, um, you know, I was in plays and stuff like that. I would do things with my brother sometimes growing up where he, he's a really good guitar player. So he would play guitar and I would sing. Um, but when I was, you know, after college, I was living with my partner and we were kind of in this like remote area. I didn't know anybody and I didn't have any way to really sing cause I didn't have anyone to play with me. And so I just decided to try to learn how to play piano. Oh yeah. I had a really old keyboard that I had just, you know, been dragging around since college and never learned how to play. 
I didn't have a keyboard. I did. I did. Yeah. Kind of went everywhere. I did. Exactly. And because um, I always had wanted to learn, but I just never did. And then I just, I I just started watching YouTube videos and. Wow. Uh, I I just would be like hunched over on the floor, you know, on this with this little weird keyboard, like trying to figure out how to play songs that I knew. And after a couple weeks, I think I started to feel comfortable enough to at least plunk out basic chords. Okay. And as soon as I figured out how to do that, um, I've always written poetry and then really all at once I just started writing songs. Wow. So it was, it was a pretty straightforward progression then. Yeah. It, and then at that point, um, I was just, I, the first time I wrote one, I was like, damn, like, I can't believe I can do that. I was really surprised. <laughs> <laughs> And um, then I was like, man, what if I can never do, what if I can't ever write another one? What if that's the only song I ever write? You know? (laughs) I was like, maybe it's like a one-time thing. I don't know. (laughs) But but it felt so good to be able to like create something that had my feelings in it and that was structured and that was poetic. And, you know, I could sing also. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. And then... um, my partner, I, I had, you know, I started writing a lot of songs. So I had quickly, I had a bunch of songs that I was really excited about and kind of naturally, uh, I think my partner just like suggested, why don't we like find a studio and just try to like record these just so we have them. Oh, cool. So I had a friend in college who had interned at a studio that happened to be close to us. So I knew the name of it. I made an appointment. We went and I, when we got there, I started playing the first song I was going to record because I did the, the keys first. And it was the first time I had ever like, you know, recorded my, I, it was the first time I had ever played a song for somebody except for my partner. Oh, wow. And so I was just doing the, the keyboard part first and I could tell he was kind of just like, you know, he's like, okay. Like he could tell, I could tell he knew that I wasn't that good at playing piano. Yeah. And then, uh, I think I like went to the bathroom or something and my partner said to him, like, don't worry. Like when she sings, uh, it's, it's going to be better than this. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, then I went to the booth and I started singing and like, I remember seeing the, engineer like turned to my husband and go like wow nah, see. Like, he, he mouthed that and that was such a confidence boost for me because it, it was it was really nice to see that reaction and he he actually has become a really a really good friend and he's been someone who's really encouraged me the whole way excellent so that's been really cool but i don't know i guess that gave me just that one experience gave me a lot of confidence and then uh from there I, I just kept taking one more step, I guess. So you weren't even going out and doing open mics or anything like that. You just wrote and then decided to go into a studio and record them. Yeah. I hadn't done any, anything. Um, I don't think I played any live shows until my first EP came out. And then I did like, I did something, uh, you know, I did some sort of like thing in front of other people, but How was that? Um, Oh, well, actually, it was very scary. (laughs) (laughs) I I imagine it would be. Yeah, it would be for me. That's for sure. At this this time, you're writing music and you're actually raising a family also. Yeah, we had a baby. Uh, We had like a really young baby when I when I was recording that first EP. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. And. Did you guys, were you doing that as Roan Yellowthorn or were you just recording it as Jackie McLean? I think right away, well, I think I did, you know, the first session just under my name because I didn't, I didn't know what would become of it. Yeah. But then once I started actually like considering making some sort of EP, 
I really felt uncomfortable about using my name. It just, it didn't feel oh. like, like it was mine. I didn't feel. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't, I didn't feel like, um, I don't know. I didn't feel like it was me really that name. Okay. Wow. So how did you come up with Roan Yellowthorn? Um, well, I think, uh, maybe I haven't felt, I haven't felt comfortable with my name for maybe a lot of my life because in college I really wanted to change it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I was trying to imagine like the ideal name for like, for my spirit, what it would be. Okay. And so I kind of just came up with this name, which was kind of like, you know, it's Roan Yellowthorn, and it kind of just came from a bunch of, an amalgamation of kind of just like images and ideas that I had in my head. It sounds, and, it, it sounds very Native American. Yeah, I think it's definitely nature-based. It's like um, ro- a roan is a kind of horse. Yeah. And then, um, and then I wanted there to be like plant, kind of plant imagery. And, um, I don't know, it just kind of came together in my head. And, uh, when I was wondering what kind of name to use, my partner who knew me in college was like, why don't you use Ronnie Elthorne since you haven't used that for anything. That worked out very well. <laughs> uh, it was a perfect you, solution. You knew back then in college, you, you, you just, you innately knew you were going to need that for something. I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so this whole time, your partner is uh, Sean Strack, and, and he's been with you this whole time, recording and, and working with you? Yeah, he actually, when I decided that I wanted to try to do music stuff, he taught himself how to play drums. Wow. And then, and now he's insanely good at drums, but at the beginning, he was really bad at drums. I heard he's really good at ping pong. He's good at ping pong too. <laughs> um, and then when when we made our first album, which he produced, he taught himself how to how to do that in order to do it. So he taught himself how to use like Pro Tools and Logic and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I'm barely, I'm struggling with my podcast software. God. It's a learning process. <laughs> it, it, well, I've done 300 shows of three, with three different pro, uh, podcasts. I'm still struggling. Oh my gosh. So, wow. That's <laughs> a lot. Oh, gosh. It's ridiculous. It's, it's a stupid amount. Only a, a little over, well, I guess it's almost 125 with this, with, with uh, performance anxiety. So. Wow. I'm well, starting I to figure it out. To learn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to figure things out. It takes 300 or so episodes, but then you start to <laughs> really, then it starts to really sink in. Oh my gosh. So Sean is, is learning all, is, is he a musician by trade or does he do something oh, he's else? Te- yeah. He's a teacher. Oh, okay. Oh, excellent. Uh-huh. Well, then he should be good at learning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It makes sense in my brain. I don't know. Yeah. So you guys decide to continue writing and, and creating new music, and and you actually did the, your first full length album all by yourself. That must yeah. have been an incredible undertaking. That I can't imagine doing everything yourself. It was one of the most like challenging, insane things. But I think it's just a testament to the fact to, you know, how badly I wanted to do it, you know, it's it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it with the, uh, the production quality, if, if Sean was learning on the fly doing this, it sounds amazing. Thank you. Well, he spent, um, an insane amount of time on it. I think we both, you know, I, I do the writing and the singing and all that stuff. And he, he does the drums and he produced that album and we both put hundreds and hundreds of hours into doing every single aspect of it ourselves. It, well, it, it shows because it's now I, I have a couple of questions about this album. Okay. So first of all, intro, mm-hmm. that's adorable. Whoa, 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 you blow gently down the street. Merrily, merrily, merrily. 
Is that your child on the uh, in intro? Yeah, yeah. It's my my oldest. I have two daughters. It's my oh, oldest daughter, and she she was so cute. She like loved playing that song, <laughs> and we we had to bring the kids with us every time we recorded. So oh my gosh, yeah. So they were just she. Well, we only had one kid at that time, but she was there, and we just like for fun asked if she wanted to sing something in the booth and um and it was okay so we went to the studio we went to two professional studios to do vocals and some instruments and one of them was the same studio that we did our ep at okay and so um it was just like a really fun relaxed experience and and we just asked her to she wanted to go in and play something for fun and he just recorded it because it was really cute and then it ended up being like a really good element for that kind of sound collage I, it's awesome I, I absolutely love it it's uh, it's very dreamy and sweet and it's just yeah I love it and outro also is amazing is that live it sounds like that was that's a live recording yeah it was it was um let me think what did we do oh outro yeah yeah that was live actually that that was just me um that was a demo that i just did in our in our like i don't know what what to call it we have we used to have this little in the house we lived in we had this little like shed that i set my keyboard up in and a speaker and like i just wanted to record it for my task cam to just have a version of it Mm -hmm. and then sean like in the middle of the night one night stayed up all night and then in the morning he was like i made this and like attached the the trippy part at the beginning and then just used that original file and it it worked out really well that that might be my favorite track on that entire album i absolutely love that and the fact that it's just a live shot it's just incredible oh i'm so glad that is awesome i mean and you got to put the whole album is great lie i lie and factory man those are just and and the title track indigo i'm I'm actually i'm looking at the uh the track listing right now it's and it's really hard to pick out a favorite but i think it's outro on the outside i think that's that is my favorite for sure that's so nice how long did it take you guys to do that whole album from let's let's say from from writing to actually having a finished product um I think it probably took over a year, I'd wow. say. And you guys just did this on your own? You weren't signed to a label at that point or anything? No, we did we did it on our own. We wow. did every part yeah, we did every part on our own. We had really like no money to put into it. So we spent money for like I think five days of studio time and then we just kind of out of necessity had to do every part by ourselves. And learning on the way. Yeah, but I'm glad that we did because it really made me appreciate when we didn't have to do it all ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got some questions for you about that, but I want to I want to find out some more information because yeah. you did this album, you run on a label, and then you just kind of decided to get signed. Is it, did I read that correctly? Well, it was it was always <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely a goal. It was always a, it was always a very I was very focused. I really wanted that because um, I knew that it wasn't sustainable if I didn't have some sort of label support. Right. So I kind of, from the beginning, have had these goals that I've been very like laser focused on, and I just work at it until I get that thing. Yeah. 
or at least try to get that <laughs> really hard. I try really hard. <laughs> so how, how, what was the process like uh, of getting sent, of, of reaching out to labels and, and finally getting signed to Blue Elan? It was probably kind of unorthodox because I didn't have really any contacts like musically. I didn't have any, um, I didn't have anybody to help me figure out like how to do it or who to contact. Okay. So, so basically I just made a Google document and I did a lot of research. I spent like a few weeks really devoting myself to, to working on it. I compiled a list of like people I wanted to send it to. I found their email addresses online through like stalking and sleuthing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm much how I get many guests on this podcast. Yeah. And then, um, I got an answer from somebody who I really wanted to get an answer from. And it was, it was completely exhilarating because it feels like you're just sending something out into the void over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, I know, like, I know how you feel. Yeah. Just, every day sending emails, sending emails, nothing comes back. And then you get a response and it's positive and it's just like, it just seems unbelievable kind of. Yeah. It reinvigorates you completely. It really changes your mindset for sure. Oh yeah. How long was the process from, from them reaching out to you to actually getting signed? I'm always curious about that. I think it was three months. That's not bad. Yeah. I think, um, what happened is that the, the founder of the label answered my email. He sent a beautiful response that was really thoughtful and encouraging. And he basically said that he really loved the album and that they were, you know, listening to it internally and that he would like be in touch. Oh, that's awesome. It was great. And then after that, we kind of, I kept him in the loop about stuff when we were designing album art. I, I sent him, you know, like a mock-up of what we were doing. And, and then eventually, um, we set up a phone call and then on the phone call, he basically said, I want to bring you out here and I want to sign you guys. Wow. Yeah, it was insane. It was like, I was like, I was like okay, <laughs> this is real. This is real. <laughs> wow. And what's, what's funny is, is that, you know, it wasn't something that you'd, I guess the best way to, say, to, to phrase this, it, it, it's not that it wasn't a lifelong dream, but it wasn't something that you were pursuing your entire life. It's just, but when you decided that that was what you wanted to do, you, you just you went out and you did it. I almost, yeah, I almost feel like I had a lot of pent up, what's the word? Deter- a lot of pent up determination because I think, I think it, it was a lifelong dream that I didn't let myself acknowledge until it uh, broke open. There you go. That's the, yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. And when it broke open, it, it was intense. I, you know, I felt, I felt it very yeah. strongly. And it worked for you because you you, ha- you were determined to, to get an end result and you got it. Yeah, I was I was lucky though. You know, you can't you can't uh, under you can't discount the element of luck. No, that's true. But you you also have to make sure you give yourself enough credit because you guys did put the work in. You created an entire album from scratch. We worked really hard. We really so, did. So <laughs> it's well deserved luck. Aww. <laughs> We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. <laughs> and then you guys decided to do a covers album. Yeah. That yeah. is so cool. I've been listening to that. That is amazing. There's such a wide variety of stuff on it. Oh, that's so sweet. It is so cool. I mean, look, I'm looking right now. You've got... Uh, You've got some old classic stuff like I Started a Joke, which is probably, listening to the lyrics, is probably the most horrible song ever written. 
if you just look at the lyrics. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. No, I died and then everything was okay. Yeah. uh, Something good, something bad happened to me, everybody laughed, I died, everybody feels good. But it's sad. Something about it is so sad. It is. It's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Lyrically, it's, it's just terrible. It's the saddest song ever written, I think. I know. But then you do some amazing other songs, like We Just Disagree. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now that between I Started a Joke and Smoke It's In Your Eyes, I, you just crushed those songs. Oh. I have heard a so many horrible versions of Smoke It's In Your Eyes. Oh, my gosh. And yours is up in, like, the top two covers of it I've ever heard. It's just that good. This is a stupid story, but I'll tell it. When I was in, I guess, senior year in high school, early college years, huge Led Zeppelin fan. I mean, I'm still a huge Led Zeppelin fan, but I was collecting all kinds of bootlegs. Anything that was a little different, any live show where they played a song, uh, uh, you know, they did a weird cover or they played a an old song, like an old 50s song, I, w- I would pick it up. Anything that was a little odd, a little different. I wanted to hear Led Zeppelin do it. Mm-hmm. And I found this one vinyl and it's had them doing smoke, it's in your eyes. What? And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So I pick it up and I bring it home and I listen to it and it's literally 10 seconds of smoke it's in your eyes and that's because that's all that Robert uh, Plant sang he, he sang wow. he's like, he, says, he's, he sings like the first half of a verse and then he's like thank you and that was it that's like, crazy I got and I paid like 25 bucks for that thing and I got so pissed off, and it wasn't even like the, a good version so your version is better than Led Zeppelin's version <laughs> that's hilarious to me so don't <laughs> don't tell Robert Plant I said that though <laughs> your secret is safe alright so he, he's probably listening so I'm, I'll probably be called out on it but, <laughs> but anyway so but you okay so you do some classics but you also I mean you do your cheating heart which is awesome who's sorry now but you also do like what I, if I remember correctly, is a hidden track off Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill album. Yes. That, I remember I, that was, I had that album and I think I still have it. And out of all the popular songs, I think I like that hidden little track the best. And, you know, it's, it's one of those you just, I would never have thought of covering that. What made you pick that song? Oh, I think I just wanted to pick songs that felt magical to me. And I remember when I first heard that song, it just really affected me. It was so raw and like, yeah. And I think she has two versions, but the one that I heard um, and that I really love is the acapella one. Yes. Yeah. It's just so stark and it's so honest and it's just like kind of like shockingly vulnerable. And I, it always stayed with me. I haven't listened to that. What that album came out? What ninety five? I probably haven't listened to that album since ninety six. Wow! And, but that's the song that I really remember off of that album. So it's when definitely. I when I saw you cover that, I'm like, that's pretty crazy, and it's oh, a, an awesome. amazing version. Thank you. So how did? So these are all songs that that really mean something to you. And was yeah. How did this whole idea start of doing a covered album? Was it was it planned or was it just kind of like a spur of the moment? Hey, you know, let's 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 uh, pick a few covers to to fill out a set list, and then it just kind of grew. How did that? What happened? Yeah, it was a really really cool, fun, weird evolution where basically 
I wanted to make, I think I just wanted to record one cover. Okay. Um, initially because I, I knew that we were going to make a, a stand, you know, a, a studio album of Roan Yellowthorn stuff, mm-hmm. but it was going to be a while until that happened. Uh, and I wanted to have, I think initially I just wanted to make, you know, one song to have. And I, I did something at home and it didn't sound that great because the quality wasn't so good. And then, um, Kirk, who is the same guy who reached out to me initially about my album, he's become a very important person in my life. And he, he was just like, why don't you guys come out here and we'll do a song or two and you can do it here. And so, yeah, so we did, but then it turned into like five songs (laughs) and then then we were having like so much fun, just reimagining these amazing songs that we loved that we were just, Kirk was like, let's just do an album. Let's, let's just like, why don't you guys come out again? And we'll, we'll think about like a few more songs and we'll just like make a whole album. And then, and then like we started thinking about, um, you know, what the vibe of the artwork would be and like, um, get having ideas for like the cover and like, it just really snowballed into like this complete special thing. And it was so much fun to make. It was just like, we were exploring and like trying out things and I don't know, it was a super fun experience. And that ended up working its way into doing your full, uh, a full album of original music, which hasn't come out yet. Yes. But you've been documenting this whole process online. And so the first thing I want to find out is, is you, you use uh, producer John in yellow. Yes. And I love the guy to death. He's, he's just awesome. He's the best. How did you get hooked up with him? Oh, well, that always usually signifies a, a long story. It just, it was a long, <laughs> it was a long process because, um, I think we initially got connected like before we even made Indigo. Okay. Because, um, we, we really wanted to work with him and then, it turned out that it's expensive to work with a real producer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say probably. I haven't done that yet, but I'm, yeah. But, but, you know, from that initial contact, he really liked the demos that I sent and he stayed in touch, like really consistently, um, kind of checking in and like, you know, he's such a friendly, nice person. We had never met in person or anything like that, but he, we just continued to be connected. And, um, he was, he was just always so supportive and enthusiastic about what we were doing. And so when we had the opportunity to make a record with label backing and actually pick somebody to work with. I was really, really, really excited to be able to actually finally make a record with him. So did you know him from his prior work or was he suggested to you uh, before Indigo or had, had, how did you know John? It was from his work. Okay. Just from, uh, there, there were a bunch of albums that we really loved that he had worked on. Oh yeah, the Dino Junior stuff and Mark Lanigan and yeah, 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 yeah. So many things. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Phosphorescent, the phosphorescent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah. So, you know, he was just like a dream, a dream producer, and then the actual experience was even better than I could have imagined. And, and now he's like a family member. So it's really special. And you were documenting the whole thing. Like we've alluded to a few times and I wanted to know a little bit about how, how did you get started doing that? Was that something that was pre-planned or was it something else? It was super lucky because 
Um, I started writing a blog like maybe two years ago. Okay. Um, and I just did it on WordPress um, because I wanted to, I think someone at my label suggested that maybe I should start one just because I, I really like writing and you know, I don't know the stuff that I had written, they were like, this is cool. You should like do more. And so I started a little blog and then I had this goal where I really, really wanted to have a column somewhere. Okay. And be able to, with, with the, you know, the hope that I could document this cool thing that I was going to do and show the process of making an album from start to finish. Which is an amazing idea because, I mean, how many people know what goes behind, what goes on behind the scenes? Exactly. And before we made Indigo, I didn't know anything about how to do it. It was a complete mystery and I had to learn by just trial and error. When well, um, even Indigo was a, was a, a more of a unique experience because you guys did it on your own. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's a very closed, it feels like a very closed door system in a sense. Right. Um, and look I, behind the curtain. Yeah. And there's so much that happens, you know, even if you have a label, um, you know, which I'm lucky enough to have, there's so much, there's still so many elements as an artist that, you know, you need to figure out and, and do. And, um, so I had this idea to try and get a column and then I just started reaching out to a lot of, uh, you know, online magazines and, um, in the same, in the same way as before, it was a lot of like shooting into the void. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then one, one response came back and it just takes one response to get, to get the thing that you want to get. Yeah, exactly. So so it worked out. So you started this whole process of, of, writing and, and recording a new album and you guys had to hand the reins over to, to John after doing an entire album on your own and I'm not I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the process was for the rediscovered album but was it tough for you to just kind of relinquish control to somebody else I was so ready to <laughs> 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 I was like, you know what you're doing so much better than me. Please just like do your magic. I yeah. am going to step back and relax <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> and then, But you guys, you, you did some demos, but when it came time to actually record the album, you had to put a, a an ensemble together to actually record. Was that John or was that you guys? Was it a combination? That was all John. He, he asked what we wanted and we said, um, you know, we wanted like Sean would do the drums. We, we wanted a guitar, a bass and keys. And then he also had the idea to add some harp to one of the songs, which ended up being really cool. Oh, wow. And yeah. And so he just put together, um, a group of people that he thought would be a really good, um, match both, both for the music and just, you know, he thought everyone would really get along. Okay. And, uh, and we really did. It was really, really cool. So who's on the album besides you two? I know you've, you've got some, some musicians there that I absolutely love. Oh, really? Oh, Emil Amos. I love, I love Holy Sons, Grails, Ohm. I mean, there's just, his stuff is amazing. He's such a cool guy. He was so much fun to work with. I got to get him on this show. He he actually went to college with a guy I had on the show like a year ago. So I got to I got to reach out to him again. You should. He's so much fun to talk to also. And I I got the chance to see him. I I never I didn't get to actually see but see him perform with Ohm uh oh. in March. So That's so cool. I have woven hand opened up. I was actually there to to shoot uh photos of woven hand for a DC area blog but I I ended up hanging out and uh, watching Oma a little bit they they told me they, they said we 
you don't have to shoot ohm just shoot woven hand i'm like okay so and I ended up listening to ohm while i was chatting with david eugene edwards afterwards so it was it was this awesome surreal experience for me but oh that's sick oh it's crazy but i didn't i haven't had a chance to you know play music with any of them that so that that had to be awesome who else now who else is on there besides amel um so we had jessica whom okay. uh doing bass and she is so good um and we were excited because sean really likes the felice brothers oh yeah yeah and um she plays with them but she just killed every bass line it was so cool that's um, awesome yeah, it was great. And then we had Andy Burton doing keys. Oh, nice, man! Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> it pays to it pays to know somebody like John. He knows he knows all the good people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Andy was so good, and he was doing all these really innovative, crazy things. He had these. He brought a lot of weird instruments that I had never seen. This thing called like a continuum. Um, I've never which, heard of that. Yeah, it's like a pad that has kind of like lines on it, and it makes these insane noises. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and he was like, at some points, he was like plucking the strings inside the piano and, and like just doing like really cool things. Like, technically, I think he's credited as doing keys, but he did so many more things. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and then we also had Mary Lattimore doing harp for one of the songs and she is a genius so it was it was super cool that's fantastic now how long were you in the studio with everybody we were there for eight days oh were the kids there no oh not this time (laughs) (laughs) no since we made our other music we we moved to the place where we live now Mm -hmm. and uh, my partner's parents are right down the street from us. Oh, that's good. So yeah, it's great. They um, they help us a lot with childcare. That's awesome. That's that if in in the profession you're in, that's huge. It's great, and it's good for everybody because they love it, and I think my kids like them more than they like me. And <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> I know the, I got I have three teenagers, so. I know the feeling of they like somebody else more than you. Yeah. <laughs> you guys did the recording, you did the mixing, you're documenting everything through Atwood Magazine. And it's it's really fascinating to to read what's going on this whole time. But you're, you're recording, you're working on artwork, and you're, you're writing. But you end up giving everything over to John so he can yeah. do his mixing. Was yeah. that kind of a really for you instead of having, you know, having it to go through every detail yourself, just having him saying, okay, do you like this mix or this mix better? And then just picking between what he's done instead of doing it all yourself. Yeah. I think the good thing is that by that point I, we had built so much trust. Like I really, really trusted, um, his opinion, like his, not his opinion, but his sensibility. Right. And I felt like we were really on the same page about the vibe and about the feeling. And like, I felt like he really understood even better than me, like what the album should, should be. Okay. And so, so I really felt, I felt really comfortable during the mixing process. I think I made like one suggestion of something that I wanted to change. And then I I also think I have to take credit for, the song that we have harp on, we ended up using the demo that, uh, this, this actually wasn't even in the mixing process, but, um, we ended up using just a raw demo with harp over it. Oh, wow. And and that was my idea. But, um, (laughs) but, but basically I felt, I felt I really trusted John and every, everything he sent back, we did it kind of like the mixing process was he would, he would mix something. He did it for like, a few straight days. So we would just be by our computer kind of like during the day waiting to see what he would send. And everything he sent was perfect and amazing. So, and then he sent it off to get mastered and it sounded 30% more perfect. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. He mentioned that his, his guy just makes it like, you know, 
20 to 30 percent better he's got a little magic that he pulls out of his ass i guess i don't know what where it comes from but it's i I, and that's kind of thing i would love to hear the pre-mastered and the the postmaster postmaster what the hell (laughs) the 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 pre-mastered and the mastered versions so, so I can compare because I want to hear what happens like that. I, I, that's the kind of thing that I'm dying to, to, to listen to. I know. And it's such a mysterious process. Like, does anyone actually know what mastering entails? No, John, actually, we did like 20 minutes on his podcast of the different types of, of engineers recording, mixing and, and mastering. And I still don't know what the hell the difference is. Nobody knows. I, it's a magical <laughs> process. It really is. It's some kind I, of weird voodoo. Right. But, um, but with this, this guy in particular, we were super excited because we love, we love listening to John's podcast. Yes. Yeah. It's so good. And before we started recording, we heard the one with Greg and we were really like excited when he said that, um, he was going to be mastering our album. Oh, see, it pays to do your research. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You wrote... In the process of, of documenting this this whole process, you wrote one article that really kind of struck me, and it was the one where you, you kind of you felt like you've lost the joy of listening to music. Mm-hmm. And I, I know ex- exactly how you feel because that, that happened to me with with photography when it became more of a business than something I loved doing. Yeah. And it's it's happened a little bit with the podcast, believe it or not, with the amount of uh, of music that I end up getting. I'm I'm not listening to it to enjoy it. I'm listening to it to talk to somebody about the music or to to formulate questions that aren't, you know, the, the same five bullet points that everybody else asks them. So it's it's kind of it's become work and not a hobby anymore and, and it's, it's kind of a weird so that that article you were really really struck home with me yeah it's a weird thing because you start doing something because you love it and then and then you you get used to kind of using a different part of your brain for it and you that's, know yeah i didn't think about that yeah i think that's kind of maybe part of it it's just it takes kind of effort to try to switch out of that mode that you're used to being in, you know? Yeah. Now, since everybody's been on lockdown, are you, have you been able to, to kind of rediscover the joy of, of listening to music again? Yes. In a huge way. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> a huge way. It's crazy. I, I think that maybe it's just the fact that, that I'm kind of not, not doing music so much right now because of the lockdown thing. Yeah. You know, I, it's like that part is the intensity of that part of my brain is like lowered and, you know, I'm able to, and, and I think the other thing about it is that because there's so much underlying like anxiety right now, I don't want to hear anybody talking you know (laughs) in fact i don't even want to talk this podcast is over (laughs) no i mean like you know um listening to the radio like a news show or something i don't want to hear that yeah like it's actually it's so much i i'm i'm becoming like it's so soothing for me now to just listen to music it's like a new it's like rediscovering it completely almost oh that's awesome that's the one good thing is coming out of lockdown that and, and spending more time with your family. So yeah. A couple good uh-huh. things. So what have you guys been up to during this whole lockdown phase of life? Well, um, I've been, I've, I'm still writing the Atwood column, which is cool because it was supposed to be like 10 parts or something like that. <laughs> oh, you doubled that. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, and our album was supposed to come out in, um, I think, July. And now it's not coming out until February. Wow. So I'm going to keep 
going until it actually comes out. Awesome. Well, it's, you know, it's supposed to be documenting the process and it's yeah. until it's out, it's still part of the process. Well, it's still happening. And, you know, little things here and there are still happening with it. But I don't know. I'm just kind of like living another, I'm living, living differently. I'm yes. like, you know, I'm painting cabinets. I'm doing like weird little things like that <laughs> you, you're getting back to, to to basics kind of yeah kind of yeah for sure and i've been lucky enough to hear two of the songs off the album thanks thank you john <laughs> and something hidden in your face a studied innocence your jeans and white alinex and a smooth Is it ready to go? It's just waiting for things to to open back up. Yeah, it's been done since March. Wow. Oh wow. Yeah. So that's just like the worst timing ever. I know. I know. Oh. <laughs> yeah, for real. But it's done. Um, it is so done. It's like <laughs> it's more. <sighs> it's well done. I know. I'm so ready for people to hear it, but I know that. I have to be patient. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know it's a cliche, but you know, good things are worth waiting for. So if the couple of tracks that I've heard are any indication, it's definitely worth waiting for. Oh yeah. I was talking to John about it. He's been counseling me because I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I was depressed for at first. I was like, I can't believe we can't put this out for so long, but he was like, now there's a lot of reasons not to put it out right now and just because you're impatient is not a good enough reason to do it (laughs) yeah he's he's been doing this a long time i'd have to go with him i guess yeah do you guys have plans to to play out once things open up and the album's released yeah hopefully uh you know there's no no saying what will happen but this summer I don't know. We had, we were, we were building like a really big tour and we were supposed to be showcase artists at South by Southwest. Yeah. I saw that. And so sad. And we were supposed to play mild music and a couple other, uh, things, but hopefully next summer it'll be possible to do some touring and we'll be able to kind of like build something that we can, do since we couldn't do it this summer yeah well you know maybe maybe at the, you, you'll be able to savor it a little bit more next year that that now that you've had to wait and things are you know it seems like sometimes it, 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 you go straight from one process into another and you don't get a chance to really in, sit back and enjoy it maybe you know having to wait almost a whole year for it to come out maybe you'll enjoy it a little bit more maybe maybe yeah <laughs> <laughs> where can people find the albums that you do have out we have stuff on spotify and we also have as of now the place to hear the whole rediscovered cover album is on Bandcamp. okay and where can people read the articles that you're writing and, and keep reading them for the next six eight months yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um Atwood Magazine is the place where I I put out an article every Thursday. Okay, and you got now now Roan is Roan Yellowthorne is also doing you uh, Facebook Live, is that right? Every twice yeah. a week? You still guys do it still twice a week? Yeah, I actually took off the whole month of June. Okay. And I'm like psyching myself up to like start again. Yeah, cuz you know, it's it's kind of weird to me that seems almost like exercising because i i gotta psych myself up to to actually you know get on the elliptical here like performing for a 
green has got to be similar to that way because you're not getting that instant feedback yeah i mean compared to a live show where even if you only have a couple people at a live show there's still like an energy exchange that you can feel yeah you know you're giving a lot but you're also um you feel like you're receiving you know a lot of energy back and it's more draining to do it virtually because you're just kind of putting out a lot of energy and um comment you know getting comments and and stuff like that is definitely um you know that's that's something that comes back to you but you're not you're not really feeling it the energy in the same way well yeah it's like doing a concert and then getting a letter about it later yeah, yeah, it's a different feeling. Yeah, it's not. It's, <laughs> For sure. It's not, there isn't that energy there. It's just, even though it's a little more immediate than, a, you know, sticking a stamp on a letter and mailing it to you, it's still a little impersonal. Yeah, it's there's a divide for sure, you know. It's, it's different. But, I mean, it could be, it could be the real direction that, um, that music is moving in because, yeah. because of, you know all of the things yeah i mean i i hope i hope it's only a, a facet of it and it comes back the way i like to, to experience shows you know through a, in a club or in, in a an arena i like a club better than an arena myself but but i i miss that i mean you know i, I was just getting back into shooting shows live for a, a blog here in it in dc and it's uh I got like two or three shows into it and then everything got shut down. Like, oh. oh, so sad. I know there's nothing like seeing a live show and just communing with the people on stage and the people like, you know, in the crowd. It's really, it's nothing compares really. I really, really. It's a, it's a amazing experience and it's, I, I don't want to give that up. So I'm going to, I'm fighting to uh, get stuff open as quickly as it's safe if that makes any sense yeah for sure so if now do you guys have a social media presence where people can keep in keep track of what you guys are doing and um what's going on with the band yeah yeah we're on we're on all the things we have <laughs> we have all the platforms what's the uh, uh what's the what's your instagram and uh i don't know i don't even know what other i know i hate twitter yeah. But I'm on it just to promote the show. I almost do almost nothing else on Twitter, but I love Instagram. I mm -hmm. mean, I'm 47, so I'm still on Facebook. Um, I don't even know what else is out there. I mean, my kids love TikTok. I don't, what, so how can people find you? Is, is it all the same handle? Yeah, it's all pretty much versions of, um, I think Instagram is like Roan underscore Yellowthorn and then Twitter is just Roan Yellowthorn, but we're usually the only Roan Yellowthorn, so. Yeah, I can imagine. There's not a whole lot of of that. And it's R-O-A-N Yellowthorn. Yep, exactly. Thank you so much for spending, I've kept you for an hour now. Thank you so much for explaining. It's really cool to, to learn about the process of working with John, who's just awesome, and, and how you, you worked your butt off to get signed. It's just, it's a, it's really inspiring and it's just a really great story thank you it's a pleasure to talk about it with you It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.